Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey! Normally, this is a show where each week, Ash and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but since theaters are currently closed due to the pandemic, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here at home. On this episode, we're going to be talking about two massive Oscar-winning epics, 1939's Gone with the Wind and 1990's Dances with Wolves, starring Kevin Costner. Uh, These are both four-hour-long Oscar-winning movies set during the Civil War, and uh, I hadn't seen either of these, but you had seen Dances. I did see, I have seen Dance with Wolves. Most people have. Most people have seen both of these. Yes. (laughs) So these were, yeah, these big blind spots. Primarily because it's one of my mom's favorites, and she's a big fan of Kevin Costner, and Kevin Costner's behind. Well, he, there was a period where he showed it. Yeah. All of them. I mean, he he definitely shows it in Dances. Yeah. I'm thinking some Prince of Thieves action. He he made those back to back. Yeah, this is this is prime cost. This is in between like Field of Dreams. Yeah, and Prince of Thieves. So he was on a real rung here. But yeah, you uh, you could say this is kind of our Mother's Day episode because my mom loves Gone with the Wind. It's one of her favorite movies, and yours loves Dances. Yep. And so yeah, this uh, this episode is is dedicated to them, to all the moms listening. <laughs> Love you, mom. So let's let's get into Gone with the Wind first. Yeah. The, The IMDb plot summary reads, A manipulative woman and a roguish man conduct a turbulent romance during the American Civil War and Reconstruction periods. This movie has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. And adjusted for inflation, this is the highest grossing movie of all time. According to Box Office Mojo, Mm -hmm. just barely edging out uh, Star Wars. Wow, I didn't know that. That's an adjusted receipt. I mean, we're talking about... A movie that's been re-released yeah. many times over the decades. So, yeah, that's that's cumulative overall, all the decades. I mean, it's when Gone with the Wind came out, movies were released in a different way. It wasn't like, you know, across the globe and like 3,000 screens all at once. No, it was... It like would go a, like town to town. Well, yeah, it was it, like a road show. It was a big to-do. Like, people dressed up. It was like a yeah. whole... And a movie would play for thing. months. It would yeah. play for months all, all across the country. And so, yeah, this is the biggest movie of all time. $1.8 billion adjusted. Well, and I think the, the movie premiere of Gone with the Wind was in Atlanta. Is in our hometown. It was filmed. Parts of it were filmed. Yep. Here in Georgia and Atlanta. There's a, there's a museum. I mean, this movie this movie is so popular. It's, its legacy is so enduring. It has museums dedicated to it. We've been to the museum with my mom. Yeah. I remember there's the... The outfits, like awesome it was, outfits. It was a cool museum. Yeah. I mean, we got some trinkets. You know, you learn a little bit about the uh, the backstory of the movie. But I think you know we should have seen the movie we, well, at first the time. Yeah, at the time we went to the museum. At the time, yeah. I'm thinking like, wow, I really need to watch this movie. It's it's about time I need to watch this movie. And that was two years ago. <laughs> For the longest time, it was like you know who has the time to watch a four hour long romance? But you know what? Enter. COVID-19. COVID-19. <laughs> and you got nothing but time. So this movie, it won eight Academy Awards. Whoa. Including Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, Actress, and Cinematography. Positive side was Best Supporting Actress, I believe, was the first African-American to win an Oscar. And that's Hattie McDaniel. Yeah. She Mid- played the maid, Scarlet's maid. We say maid, but I mean well, slave. slave. They're, they're slave owners. Yeah. The O'Hara's 
they are they own a plantation yep. filled with slaves. Yep. Yeah, this movie it centers around Scarlett O'Hara, who's played by Vivian Lee, and she lives on that Georgia plantation with her family and their slaves. Scarlett, uh, she's in love with a man named Ashley. Yes. But he is going to marry his cousin Melanie? Yes. So that's uh that becomes like a major, I guess, love Love triangle. Uh, she's she's yeah. pining for this guy the entire four hour. But movie. Ashley doesn't really love her. He's not not into her at all. Really. Yeah. He's into his cousin. Yeah. What's I mean? What? No. Uh, yeah. Even in the eighteen hundreds. In the eighteen sixties. So I don't. Yeah. I mean, is marrying your cousin like that? I don't think that's in the South. <laughs> okay. Second cousins. Okay. So back in the day. Yeah. Because this movie, it doesn't. It presents it very matter of fact and just like okay with it. Hey, no one really talk. Does anyone talk about like hey, this is weird? No, it's just it is what it is. Yeah. So she uh, she catches the attention of Rhett Butler, who's played by Clark Gable, and he's a a blockade runner for the Confederate Army. That's what's going on. He's 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 working for the Confederate Army. Yeah, he does odd jobs, odd end. He sells stuff. He's very wealthy man. He's he, he is ultimately working for the Confederates, but I think he's some some of his I soldiers think, accuse him of being a spy. Yeah, I is that but, but I think he's more about the money than he is about the cause. And he's all about Scarlet. Yeah, like he's really in love with her. Yeah, like the way she's all about Ashley. Yeah, he's all about her, and she just she won't. She's she's not interested. She just I mean throughout the course of this film, she marries multiple dudes. Most and of them die. Most of them die. <laughs> Usually bad deaths. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got, you know, 1930s Clark Gable. I mean, rich, good but looking. He's a ladies man, though. He's a smooth talker. Is that it? She's wary yeah. because he's like a player. Yeah. His best friend is a madam. I mean, she's a player. At a brothel. She, she's a player. Well, like, who? Duh. Like, they're perfect for each other. Right. I mean, she doesn't find that out until the very end. She spends this whole movie yeah. wanting what she can't have. And I think that's it. I think that's, that's what... That's just her character. That I think that is. Mm. Frustrating to watch. Yeah. It's frustrating to watch that unfold yeah. over four hours. You know, character set goals yeah. and not achieve them for four hours. Well, she's, she's the character that you love to hate. She's manipulative. She manipulates everyone. Very much so. Yeah. But I think that's the thing. So she has all these men, but yet there's one man that flirts with her a little bit, but is scheduled to marry <laughs> somebody else. This guy who's who's in love with his cousin. Yeah. That's a red flag, right? He has his own issues. It's just her like wanting something she can't have and the turmoil. And the, and the dudes who kind of come in and out of her life. Yeah. But it really, yeah, it's really about her and her love for Ashley that's yeah. unrequited. And Rhett Butler's pursuit yeah. of her. Neither of us had seen this. What What did you think? I liked it. I mean, I could see it was, obviously, it was filmed in the 30s. I mean, it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, it came out in 1939. But, you know, it's four hours. I mean, we had to split it up. Both of these movies, yeah. yeah. For I mean, what do you do with a four-hour movie? You either make an like a whole afternoon of it, or you break it up into two nights. I mean, what what are we doing? I liked it. What What did you enjoy about it? I mean, like I said, I like the landscape. I like you know. Most of this is filmed on a back lot. Like this isn't like natural photography. 
Well, like, well, compared to like looks, Dances with Wolves, it looks like it. But yeah, it's filmed on a back lot. I mean, it, it looks kind of fake. Way to pop my bubble. But that, that was the style back then. I mean, everything was on a back. I mean, it was a compelling story. I think Scarlett's character, where her character went, and and does her I, character grow? I think it does at the end, but then it's too late. I mean, it's not a good ending. They end up married. They, she she and Rhett, they do end up married. Yeah. I guess he wears her down and she's like, fine, I mean, but, what, what do I have to lose? Yeah, and then he lavishes her and everything. And she's still not having it. She has, she gets pregnant. Right, they do have a child. And it's really not until like he, he quasi-rapes her one night yeah. while he's drunk. In the aftermath of that, that's when she's like, mm, maybe I love this guy. Yeah. So what? What it, is what is wrong with this person? <laughs> like what? What is wrong with this person? I, I don't know. She has a crazy psyche, which I can relate. What? <laughs> I mean, what? Like why? Why do you think it takes that? Like that act of uh, like sexual aggression for her to like turn the corner with him? I think it was him taking what he wanted and and he, she knew he, he knew her. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like and she a, secretly she secretly wanted it too so it wasn't like quasi rape For, i mean whatever i mean <laughs> you know it's, i mean it's a, it's a decent scene he takes yeah. her up the stairway like into the shadows it's a strong scene but um, I don't really have much respect for this character. I mean, she's a no, slave owner. Yeah. She's a, I mean, they're slave owners. This, I mean, let's just talk about this for a second. This movie, uh, I mean, the cultural depictions here, the O'Hara's, they own slaves. Yeah. And here in this they're movie... In, they're in the South. They're fighting for the Confederate Army. Here, they want to keep their Southern way of life. In this movie, the slaves are depicted as just kind of happy complacent employees yeah that's how like they're they're here willingly that's a yeah. problem H- hattie mcdaniel gives a strong performance here she has she has a number of strong scenes yeah she's strong in this movie but there's yeah there's other very questionable depictions but really just overall just the depiction of happy slaves slaves who are happy to be there and even after the north winds and the north was invading atlanta and all that the the slaves stayed with the o'haras yeah that doesn't check with any kind of reality they didn't leave they didn't i mean that does not jive with reality this whole movie right from the jump it has a nostalgia for the confederate south yeah i mean from the opening uh, scroll yeah like text i mean we get like 50s like star wars laying scrolls in this movie but the opening one, it's clear like it has an affection and a nostalgia for the antebellum South and, you know, a time when, you know, men owned slaves and, hey, you know, whatever. When we always talk about Civil War, we always talk about the North coming in, but we never really get the South and not necessarily the people going into war, but like just the residents of the South and how they experience the war. Because they looked at the North as rapists and, you know, I think she kills a a North soldier in her house because he was coming and trying to rape her and and steal from what her family had left, which was nothing. I mean, and the soldiers took over their house. At the midpoint, yeah. the, the O'Hara's are their their fortunes have completely reversed. Yeah, and like I think the mom is dead and the dad is sick. Yeah, 
and like losing his mind or something. Well, the dad is heart stricken because, because the mom, the mom. Yeah. died. And it's, you know, I want to feel bad for these slave owners, but I mean, again, they are slave owners. <laughs> so it's, you know, with a different filmmaker and a different point of view, you're siding with the slaves seeing these racists get their comeuppance. But that's not the perspective of this movie. No, it's not. These are the heroes. I wouldn't say that they're heroes. There's no hero in this movie. The the Confederate soldiers are heroes. Except Ashley's wife. Ashley's wife is probably the only good character in this movie. You don't think this movie movie looks at Confederate soldiers as heroes? No. You didn't get that. Mm Mm-mm. I don't know if you were if we were watching the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely view the Confederate soldiers as well, heroes. Yeah, I mean, and the they, Confederate I side, mean, that's... it's a warrior. I mean, you know, you... The Union is the enemy yeah. in this film. Yeah. Yeah, the Confederates are the heroes. Yeah. Confederates! Yeah, because they're, they're protecting their families. They're protecting the South. They're protecting what they know. Right. I mean, a, a better movie, a movie that's not supremely dated and, I guess, questionable in its depictions would be able to show the Confederate side, humanize them, but also reveal the bigotry. I mean, uh, let that play for what it is. And not, not whitewash anything or do any revisionist history. Okay. There's a whole lot of revisionist history. I understand, history. but you have to put yourself in the 30s. I mean, there, I, there was no I whitewashing. Can't. There was no cultural appropriation. There was nothing like that in the 30s. So this is the movie that we got in the culture, in the time era that it was filmed in. A good point. Here's my question. Why does this movie still resonate? I don't know. Right. I mean, the the lead character really sucks as yeah. a human being. She is bad. Yeah. It's like you don't want to root for her. You don't want to root for uh, anybody. A, a lot of characters suffer horrible deaths. I mean, does it, she has a miscarriage at the end? The, like she falls down stairs? All the other tragedies. Oh, yeah. They, they had child death in this. I mean, they had like... Her kid dies in a riding accident. Yeah. yeah. Same way as her father dies. And that happens like right after she falls down a flight of stairs and has a miscarriage. Yeah. It's like one ridiculous tragedy after another. But then I feel like, you know, maybe she got her comeuppance. Because at <sighs> the end, I mean, she finally realizes that she loves Rhett. And Rhett says... But he's had enough. He's had enough. This is the famous, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn line. He walks off. Yeah. And we just kind of leave her... Cut to black. Well, no, we we stay on her as as she vows to win him back. Yeah. Like, that's her next goal. But this movie continues to resonate. And I it guess, does. You know, a lot of my friends are like, this is my favorite movie, and da 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 How, how like, often do they watch it? Uh, this four-hour movie, like, uh, you're going to keep I mean, it just it? doesn't make you feel good. Like, I don't understand. Honestly, for me, I would rate this a C. Okay. I thought you were going to be a little higher, but I would go, like, D. The story and just the ballsiness that the director took... With the characters and how the story ended, I will... I mean, that's why I like the movie. Because it was ballsy. Yeah. If it was shorter, I mean, it would be easier to to appreciate things. Yeah. But I just... Yeah, I don't need, like, four-hour-long Confederate romances. That's not, like, an itch that I needed to scratch. So, uh, you know, movies that are nostalgic for the antebellum South. Like, uh, some movies we can just... We can leave them in the vault. I mean, if... I mean, whatever. I'm saying if, if Song of the South is going to be unreleased. I mean, let's throw throw this one in there well, with it, along with Birth of the Nation. What is Song of the South? It's a Disney movie with the same issue, where, where it's, oh. a, it's a happy slave. Ah, uh, okay. And he's talking to, like, a cartoon rabbit. 
Okay. I grew up loving it as a kid, but now it's not available. You can't get it on Disney Plus. Like it's uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Disney's like, nope, <laughs> not gonna happen. So, um, okay, so yeah, you give it a, a C. I give it a D. Having know. having this be a date movie is pretty hit or miss. This movie has no relevance for a 2020 audience. If you grew no. up watching this, that's one thing. If yeah. you grew up watching this, then, I mean, you have your own relationship with it. But for a 2020 audience member going into this cold, like, we were, there's nothing here. Yeah. Other than a waste of four hours. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Clark Gable's good in this. Yeah. He's in full-on movie star mode. He's in good form here. He's, I mean, he, he pulls you through it. And the music is quite memorable. But uh, I mean, other than that, this is a, a dog pile, a, a racist dog pile. So you wouldn't, ra- you wouldn't, not, you not know, not good for a date. Not good for a date. <laughs> really, any, I mean, any four-hour movie. I mean, you, I mean, you, Titanic you is good for a date, not four hours. Titanic is three. Titanic is three. Is it three hours? Three hours. Oh. That, that's the cutoff. <laughs> three. I can roll with a good three-hour movie. Good yeah. three-hour epic. I'll roll with it. But four. I mean, I know stop the, it. the fact that they had to do an intermission. Yeah, this movie sucks. <laughs> this movie, yeah, this movie's not good for me. Burn it. Burn it in a in a pile. I mean, I'm gra- I'm glad that I saw it. I don't need to see it again. Why don't we take a quick break and when we come back, we'll get into Dances with Wolves. Yay! All right, we're back. And we're going to talk about Dances with Wolves. The IMDb plot summary reads, Lieutenant John Dunbar, assigned to a remote Western Civil War outpost, befriends wolves and Indians, making him an intolerable aberration in the military. This movie has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it made about close to half a billion back in 1990. Worldwide, it made over $400 million. And that's, I mean, that's superhero money. Yeah. I mean, you adjust that for inflation. I mean, that's I mean, that's Avengers money, and this is for like a long Civil War drama. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is a big ass movie. It back was in 1990. It won seven Oscars, including Best Picture and Director for Kevin Costner, along with Best Screenplay and Cinematography. Yeah, I was just I was a little too young for this when it came out, but I remember everyone talking about it at the time. It had a major cultural impact. One person you could argue it definitely did have an impact on was James Cameron, because this is the exact plot of Avatar. Well, yeah, I guess I, I didn't <laughs> put. I guess I didn't put two and two together because it's it's. When Avatar came out, that yeah. was one of the major jibes thrown at it. Was it. Like, like, this, it was like Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves, yeah. yeah. D- like Dances with Navi. <laughs> is what is what people and I'm like okay I guess I guess you, this you is the plot of Dances it. with Wolves. But, um, yeah, it really is, it's, I mean, structurally, it, it's basically the same movie. I mean, James Cameron, I mean, he, he adds a lot of, like, sci-fi action elements yeah. to it. But it's the same structure. You know, a soldier who becomes friends with the enemy and then finds himself fighting alongside them. Yep. Is, yeah, it's Avatar. And, and finds love. Finds love with one of the, 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 the natives. natives. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, this movie, it starts with John Dunbar played by Costner. He's injured in war. And then rather than get amputated, he would rather just die. And so he like rides out in the line of fire and distracts the enemy. Yeah. And uh, the union wins. Yeah. At least Costner is on the side of the good guys. Unlike our Gone with the Wind heroes. That's true. Quote unquote heroes. I mean, compared to Gone with the Wind, this is a very politically correct movie. Yeah. 
This movie, it, it casts Native American actors. It did, yeah. And uh, some great actors, like Graham Greene, Wes Studi. Um, this movie does a lot right with its casting. And it's. Uh, I think that's that must have been one of the driving forces making this, yeah. is to make it as authentic. As, as authentic as possible. As possible. But, um, but yeah, he's after this war, he's declared a hero, and he's assigned an outpost on the Western Frontier. Well, he's assigned an outpost anywhere he wants, and he wants to go to the Western Frontier. Because he feels like the West is dying. Yeah. Right? And so this movie is kind of like an ode to the Western Frontier. It really is. Yeah, yeah 100%. That seems to be another driving creative force, is to just depict the beauty of the Western landscape. So, yeah, basically he becomes friends with the, the Sioux Indians. Well, okay, so we, we missed... I'm skipping over some things. You skip over, so movie. he There's goes... A lot, a lot of shit happens. And he he goes to his outpost and turns out, I guess, the governor of the city, and I think the city is, like, what, a, two days away or, like, a day away or something like that, and they were getting ready to send supplies, which they needed, so John came over with the supplies, and nobody was at the outpost. So John was, he fixed up the outpost, he was, and then he made a friend with a wolf. And no one, and because, like, the guy he rode with, Robert Pastorelli, he could scout. I mean, I love a good first, oh, yeah. first he, act scalping. Yeah, he does get scalped. You get my respect if you have a scalping in, like, the first, yeah, on first his, hour. Yeah, after, after he <laughs> drops John Dunbar off at the outpost. He just gets attacked. He's on his way back, and he's an idiot. I mean, he's, he's slow. He's dumb. Yeah. And, yeah, he gets scalped it's, it's, by it's Indians. The, the Pawnees, right? Not the Sioux, I think. I believe it's no, the Pawnees. No, I think it's the Sioux. The, the, the Sioux are nice. Yeah. The Sioux are the ones he, he befriends. The, Pawnee, the Pawnees are the ones they go after. The Pawnees are the, the psychos. Yeah. So, yeah, he's scalped. And I think because of that, like, no one knows that he's at this outpost, right? Nobody knows he's at this outpost because the, people the governor. Who sent him there, they don't know anymore. Well, yeah, because the governor blew his brains out as soon as he left. Right, and is that explained why he's no. just he's crazy? He's just crazy, he's having a hell drunk. Of a, hell of a day. He, he probably hates being at that outpost. <laughs> he's, he's had he's had a bad month. Yeah, he wasn't happy. <laughs> so he's just given a letter to John Dunbar saying where he needs to be. And so that's that's really the bulk of this movie is him kind of settled in on the frontier. We get some beautiful landscape shots, and him just kind of uh, befriending the uh, the Sioux Indians, yep, and developing a relationship and a romance with Mary McDonald. Yep, she plays stands with a fist. I believe the Pawnee killed her family on the Western Front, and she was taken in by the Sioux. And she a, was she was taken in by the Sioux, and so she acts as a translator. Yeah, correct. But she barely knows English. I mean, she's. It's very hard for her to say the white man words. Yeah, well, we got four hours. I believe in theaters it was three hours long. We watched the four-hour cut, like the home video extended deluxe package. Yeah. Four-hour version. In three hours, this is more manageable. Uh, four hours is a lot. But, um, I mean, you had seen this I, before. Yeah, I love this movie. I, I just feel like, you know, you're meeting, like, a new culture. And, and instead of trying to automatically kill the other person because they don't look like you they don't talk like you and but you try to understand and you try to get to know and you try to learn and and vice versa and that other culture is trying to learn you and and trying to understand the white man and just the landscape 
was awesome. I mean, the the beautiful, buffalo. Beautiful photography. Yeah, there's a... Oh, my God. That was gorgeous. There's a, a buffalo herding, Herd. herding yeah. scene. Or they're... they're they're hunting buffalo. They're hunting right? buffalo. And, and it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, there's no, like, CGI. I mean, this is, yeah. this is all practical photography. This is 1990. You can't fake this. I mean, they were clearly out there, like, in, uh, I believe, North Dakota or South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah, like that buffalo. I don't even know how they did that. Like, I don't where, know. Where, where, where did you get these buffaloes you got, from? But you, you, got, the you got the big herd, but you also have that scene where... There was a bunch of them dead and just skinned. Yeah, I mean they're disturbing, but I mean those yeah. are uh, you know prosthetics. I mean yeah. th- those are effects, but like the actual live buffalo, yeah. working with live buffalo. I mean I, I don't know how you begin to do a scene like that. So I mean that's that that alone is impressive, and just from a photographic point of view, it's this movie's stunning. It's, uh, it's very just stunning, stunning to look at, just top to bottom. I think the acting was great. I mean Kevin Costner is fabulous. He's good in this. I um, think the Native Americans that were in here, yeah. they're they're fabulous. I mean, I just... What about Mary McDonald? Yeah, she wasn't so fabulous. Yeah. I think she was definitely a little miscast. What is with these yeah. films back in the day that they miscast their leads? Like, I don't... <laughs> they're lead females. I, I'm not I just, sure. Yeah. Like, what? I don't know why... Mary McDonald, she's not a bad actress, but... I mean, this is a big yeah. role. This, this is, a, is big a big role, role, and this is yeah. She's yeah. She, she's a weakling, and there's there's not much of a spark between them. It doesn't seem. It just seems I don't. Yeah, I don't. Kind see. of obligatory that they're yeah. gonna. But they're not supposed. There's not really supposed to be a spark. No. Well, they end the be, up together, riding I, off. Well, I know that. They, they they fell in love gradually over time. At the beginning, she was mourning because her husband died. Right. We're, I mean, we're he, supposed to believe that eventually sparks do bloom between yeah. them. I understand it's not right away, but we're supposed to believe that the chemistry is there eventually. And I don't think it gets there, really. It's just, it's not a, it's not a great romance. But, uh, I mean, this is clearly a, a passion project for Kevin Costner. I mean, he was successful at it. And what, was he only 35? When I, he he... Was, I believe he was 35. In his mid thirties, when like, he made wow, this. he's my age. He was on a roll. You have, you know, an invader who tries to take over land that was never theirs. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, that goes back to like, I mean, Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's classic. So there's Western elements. And, to this. It, it feels well, like a Western in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, and you know, it's like the ultimate bad guy is you know the Union Army. I mean, the Union Army were assholes in this movie. They they did not portray the Union Army very well. Well, I mean that that reminds me. I mean, at one point, he you know he does befriend a wolf. That's why yeah. he gets the name Dancing with Wolves. And this Union Army, they're just they're they're taking like practice shots at this wolf. I know, and then kills the wolf. Like, oh, well, it's really weird because we see the wolf kind of run off. Like, okay, he got away, and then no, we get a shot later, like the wolf just lying dead in the grass. Yeah, like. You couldn't, you couldn't let us just believe that he had run away <laughs> because we, there's a wolf at the end, right? Like watching him like ride off. Yeah. It could have been the same wolf. Why, why do we have to get the shot of him dead in a ditch? I know, but it was That's upsetting. his kindred spirit with wolves. It's like a spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I just, I mean, don't show me a, a dog to, like dying dead in a ditch. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of dead animals in this movie, whether it's the deer that he fished out from the pond. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah, there's a whole sequence of him fishing out deer carcasses. Yeah, and we never know why. 
like how the deer got in there. Yeah, uh-uh. But yeah, there's a whole like five minute sequence of him pulling carcasses out of the lake. And it's, yeah, I mean, it, at a certain point, it's like, man, I guess that's something that could get cut. Possibly. You could cut. I mean, I understand. You could cut the carcass burning, you know, the five well, minute long carcass burn. Yeah, I mean, I understand why. Well, he had to take them out. There's, I mean, there's, I mean there's obviously, some you don't want to poison the water, the only source of water that you've got right next to the. Well, in the burning the of the camp. carcass, it, it alerts the Indians. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I understand it. It's just, we, we see, it feels like we see him drag every single carcass out of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes on for a long time. So it's yeah, this is a beautiful movie. It's really long. It is long. I mean, long as hell. Holy, I mean, mm. well, but, and it's, it's <laughs> and it's, you know, it's Kevin Costner like or John Dunbar, I should say. That's a problem with Costner is length. It's I mean, The Postman. Hello. I love that movie. Um, but anyways. No, you don't. I did. <laughs> Stop. I mean, I just, I feel, I, I love the, and this is what I loved about Avatar too, is really figuring out who you are inside. Are you going to be doing what you are ordered to do, or are you going to be following your heart and following what you think is right versus what I'm just being told to do? Right. And I've always, I, I admire that because I don't like being told what to do. No. Just the passion and dedication that it yeah. took to get this movie uh, Made. off the ground, yeah, yeah is, is staggering. So I have I have a lot of respect for that. But I mean, if there was a two hour cut of this, I would probably give it in the A. There's an A movie here somewhere. It's the brilliance is spread out. The four hour version for me is like a B. But, uh, yeah, I, I I would give this an A minus. I mean, but there's there's an A movie in there, and like at two hours, like it would be quite an achievement but i mean for, i mean mm, this thing i definitely feel like it's a date <laughs> movie yeah yeah it, i mean it worked for me it yeah worked for you it's yeah there's a lot of good stuff here if i mean if if we were adults back in 1990 we would have seen this in the theaters and it would have been a good time yeah my like i said you know my mom this would have been a good this would have been a yes yeah, yeah. to see in the theaters my mom and my dad they love this movie we had the vhs tape <laughs> i mean heck yeah it was something that we probably we didn't see it every weekend <laughs> but it was so probably like you know so you're familiar with this but this i haven't seen it in a, since childhood right so yeah i'm familiar with it but i hadn't seen it since i was a kid it's an intense movie to watch as a kid yeah <laughs> Well, you know, mom made me turn my head when Kevin Costner's butt came in to play and, you know, all the violence. Yeah, I mean, this is... Definitely better than Gone with the Wind. For sure. I mean, for and, sure. And my, in my humble big step opinion. Up. Thank God. <laughs> so much better. Yeah, this movie I could see staying around. Yeah. Keep this movie around. Well, and I, I just think the story still holds up to this day between avatar or dances with wolves Mm. i can't do that comparison because they they both have different aspects to it say avatar you would rather watch avatar than sit through four hour dances with wolves again i mean don't don't trip you watch avatar every year 
But I, I can't <laughs> knock where Avatar got its story from. Yeah, he, it definitely took the structure. You can't, like... Definitely took the bones of dances. So you have to, I mean... That, and his own digital and creation. And story, with yeah. I mean, so yeah, he, you have that, and that's hard to... If you didn't have Dance with Wolves, you wouldn't have Avatar. That works. And that's our show. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DNMoviePodcast. And you can also email us at DateNightMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. Bye.